Tony said during worship, we are finishing off our series in Galatians. And how is Paul going to do it? Will he end his, his letter the way that we often end our phone calls in a lame, vain, and useless way? All right, good talking to you. Yeah, okay, I'll see you later. All right, bye. Three totally unnecessary statements. Just the one later, and then you would have been done. Is that what Paul will do? Will he just kind of give this little lip service? All right, say hi to chumps in, uh, you know, just on the street corner for me. Or he's go- is he going to use this for one last strike, one last time to make this truth that he has been so desperate to convey to his beloved friends, this church in Galatia? And of course, it's a facetious question. Paul took that last shot, and he swung for the fences. Our passage today comes to us from Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not, keep them, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as Pastor John said that the congregation prays that the unction of the Holy Spirit be on me with new oil flowing, Lord, I pray to the same, because apart from the work of the Spirit, none of us have a chance in here to know what you desire us to know. But we know that with the Holy Spirit working in us, we cannot fail. We cannot fail because it is your will to see your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, exalted. So, Father, we ask that your Son be glorified and exalted in our hearts and in our minds, on our lips and in our ears right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paul starts off saying, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, that's not the huge spiritual lesson that you should be confused by. Paul was using... Someone, to dict, uh, someone who would write down everything he was saying. He was dictating all prior to this. Some professional who was able to read and write. And so that was what was going on. 
But now, at this point, Paul takes over, saying, give me the pen, give me the paper. And one, this is like his autograph. This is his way of just letting everyone know, it was me. Someone else didn't write this to you. Someone else isn't saying this to you. It's me. And the large letters I'm writing to you either refers to one of two or maybe both of these things at the same time. That he is writing in these large letters because his just hand is overflowing with the love that he has. And so he's just writing large. All right? The way that some of us can, can do that. I, I can't write on a blackboard. I use this much space. doesn't matter how much I have to write. I can't do it. But, you know, just maybe he's writing large like that. Or it's also quite possible that his vision is really, really bad at this point, and if he wants to see what he's writing, he has to write in large letters. Again, I think we have something of both going on. And what is he writing to his dear friends? He's making three points, and his three points are just one sentence. It's not what you do, but what's been done for you that makes you a new creation. It's not what you do, but what's been done for you that makes you a new creation. And so for that first point, it's not what you do. Verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Remember, the presenting problem to the Galatian church is that there are people who call themselves Christians, Jewish in ethnicity and background and culture, but calling themselves Christians, those who profess Jesus Christ, that have come in, and Paul calls them the circumcision party because this group is saying, it's great that you Gentiles, you non-Jewish people, are now believers in Jesus Christ, just as we always were meant to be. And now just go the whole way and do what God wants you to do. Be circumcised as we are. Join the party. And he is saying, no. This is a mockery of what Jesus Christ has come to say and to do. I've got houses on the mind. I'm in the housing market. So apparently the Lord wants my family to stay on Long Island. Pray for us. And with houses, you know that once you look at one that looks nice, you put an offer on it, and then you send an inspector in. And it's as if the Pharisees are saying, you know what? The only thing wrong with you, it's a major thing wrong, but there's just one thing wrong with you. You just have to do this one thing, and then the whole house will continue to stand. It's just maybe one structural problem. Just stick in this beam, this beam of circumcision, and then this house, your house, you are good. But Paul is saying, Jesus Christ didn't come to die for you because you had one thing wrong with you. In reality, if we're using this house analogy, it's more like the septic tank blew up and no one knew. 
And for years, it's been seeping into the foundation, making a sinkhole underneath it, and now the foundation is cracked in all kinds of places. And that wetness from the nasty septic tank, how did you not smell this, has seeped up and caused mold, all the different nice colors of mold too, not just black mold or white mold, but all the multicolored spectrum of mold that you can have. And that rottedness has made weakness in the wall. And for some reasons, the termites really loved that smell. And so they got into the walls. And so this house that has that finished kitchen with the granite countertop and just the HVAC, you know, just because who likes dealing with floorboard heaters? You know, I want, I want central air. And has the vaulted ceilings, you know, just and the knockdown you know, just uh, walls, which actually cause structural damage that continue to compound the problem. That is the problem. That is what's wrong with you. Everything. And you don't send in a repair crew to take care of that kind of house. There's one word that we would say. Condemned. Without hope. And Paul is saying, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And in fact, they're just trying to get you to go along with them to boast in your discarded flesh. Because it makes them look good. Kind of like the way that some people will just brag about their kids, saying, my kid got into this school, or my kid did this well in this sport. And what is the parent saying? They're not really completely proud of their kid. They're proud of their participation. I'm the one that made the kid study. I'm the one that taught him how to bat, how to swim. And so they're using someone else to boast about themselves. And these, the circumcision party, these people want to be able to boast in the Galatian church, so that they can say to the Jews, all right, hey, listen, we're not so far apart. You know, just, we're still Jewish. These Gentile people are still Jewish. They have the same mark on their bodies as we do. Sure, we differ a little bit about who Jesus is, but isn't really what's important that we're all the same on the essential matters, the important matters? And Paul further says, they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, Paul knows about this, doesn't he? When he was Saul, he went around killing Christians and turning them over to death. And the circumcision party doesn't want that. They want to make it all nice. They want to make everyone get along at the, cross, at the cost of the cross so that they are not persecuted. But Paul even goes on to say, even they don't keep the law. They are hypocrites because there is no one among us, not them, not you or me, that kept the law. Again, it was not just this one part, this one law of circumcision that they're saying is most essential. What about lust? What about greed? What about anger and hate? What about those things? 
Or is it true that God only cares about this one symbol? Paul is saying that Christ plus anything is absolutely nothing. It's heresy. There is nothing to it at all, but that this party would rather hold on to their nothing and not be persecuted. But Paul is saying, according to Jim Proctor's hymn, It Is Finished, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. There's only one place to come. Don't look to what you do. Don't look to what you do. You know, just Paul was actually an expert on the doing, wasn't he? In Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 11, which is also on the back of your outline, he goes on to say, If anyone thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day, ha, party, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the good tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And Paul is saying, I can play that game and beat you, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so he is counting all these things that he did as rubbish, as trash, trash, as actually just crap. Now, this was true in Paul's day, this desire to avoid persecution and go the easy route. And it's just as true for us today. Because Jesus Christ, didn't he say that they hated me and they will hate you? In this postmodern world we live, the work that's being praised isn't circumcision, certainly not. It's searching for your own truth. Oh, we have lots to say about people who are searching Seeking, saying, I don't know what the truth is, but I am going for it. And we'll say, that person has integrity. She is a sincere person. I can get behind a person like that. But if you say, I have found the truth that we all need, and it is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is true when he says, no man comes to the Father except through me. You say that, and you're crucified. You say that, and they come after you with guns blazing. In my alma mater, the United States Air Force Academy, some poor junior put up on his whiteboard outside his room, Galatians 2.20 that we've been studying, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it is Jesus Christ who lives in me. And some people complained, and it immediately went to the Pentagon, went down to the three-star general, and then someone, some officer, went over and wiped off that verse. Man, I'm glad I got out of the Air Force before anyone gave me that kind of order to do. The world values searching and sincerity, but it condemns the truth. 
And the cross of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block because people would rather hold on to the things that they do and believe that they are not all that bad, that they are not completely worthy of condemnation. But if you start with your works, your deeds, your performance, you will never get down to what is real and necessary. If you took that house and just slapped some paint on it, planted some fragrant you know, shrubs and stuff to get rid of that nasty smell, put in some deodorizers inside the basement, no amount of that kind of work will fix you. Because it's not what you do, it's, been, it's about what's been done for you. And Paul says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What will you hold on to? See, boasting in your works whether it's the things that you do or the things that you've gotten other people to do. Boasting in your works comes from your pride. It comes from your arrogance. It comes from the thought that you're not all gone. You're not all in deserving a judgment. You're kind of, sort of. You might be nearly there, or you might just be really far gone, but there's a way to go back up. But Paul is saying, let me boast in one thing and one thing alone, in the cross of my Savior, Jesus Christ. What does boasting in the cross look like? Can there be any pride? Can there be any arrogance in a boast like that? There cannot. Because the only thing that you brought to the cross was your sin. The only thing that you brought to the cross was your own unworthiness and unrighteousness. And you can't boast in that. And so the the boast that is in the cross is one that comes from tears and from thanksgiving. The boast that says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Tears and thanksgiving accompany the boast that is in the cross of our Savior. And that's exactly what Jesus meant to do. That's what Paul is teaching us here. Elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, not by your works. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one can boast in what they do. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus Christ has done 
And Jesus Christ made this clear on the cross, didn't he? When he said, it is finished. You know, that phrase means exactly what you think it means. It's like the end of a recipe when the last point is done. And then you don't flip the page and it says, oh, and you're supposed to do this too. It is finished. It is done. And who has done it? Jesus has. In his flesh and in his spirit, he endured what we deserved and what we alone deserved for our sakes. Isn't that the best news you've ever heard or will ever hear? And in fact, if it isn't the best thing you've ever heard, if it isn't the thing that causes you to wake up and delight, when through your bleariness you you realize and you remember who you are, if it isn't the best thing that you've ever heard, then you don't understand it. And we want you to understand it. So come on down after the service. We've got elders, we've got pastors who want to talk to you that this might be the thing that rocks your world, shapes it, takes hold of it, and makes it new. And those of you who have it, will you, as Pastor John said before, go out and share it? We announce every other thing that we do, that we have, that's good, don't we? In fact... Most of the time, I think that's what Facebook is for. I have friends. I hate this about them, but I have friends who, tell, who put out there, I just ate the most awesome sandwich. Who cares? But where's the Facebook post or the tweet or the text that says, Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. My life is made. And maybe we don't do that in Facebook or Twitter because just those mediums, well, are horrible mediums of communication, but also cannot convey the goodness that must be told through your relationship with your friends and your family. We want you to help others understand why this is the greatest news the world has ever heard because you know why? It's not what you do, but it's what but it's what's been done for you that makes you a new creation. Your life literally has been made new. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, no one, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my, mark, on my body the marks of of Jesus. Paul says that in Christ we are new creation. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what he's saying happened in Galatians 2:20 when we were crucified with Christ in our sins. And it is no longer we who live. Christ has made us new 
So these things that we do or don't do aren't the things that count. Wait, but now, verse 16 might be confusing. And as for all who walk by this rule, wait, didn't Paul just get, or get through saying it's not about the rules? It's not about what you do. It's about what's been done for you. So where does this rule come in now? Rule sounds like law. All right, at least even to, especially to little kids, right? There are all these classroom rules. I will not be a bully. I will listen to a teacher, right? These are the laws of the classroom. Isn't rule another word for law? Actually, the contractors among us will appreciate this, but I'll make it so that even I can understand. This word rule is a construction term. It's the plumb line. Do you know what a plumb line is? If you've ever wondered how in the ancient world they built any walls straight, I mean, I can't, I can't draw a straight line to save my life. All right? And so, and stacking blocks, you know, just, uh, you know, cause I have a little kid, so I stack blocks, all right? It'll only go up so far and then topple over because I have not made it straight. So how in the world, in the ancient world, did they build those cathedrals or pyramids or whatever? It's because they had something called a plumb line, something that is still in use today. In fact, every skyscraper in New York City, or the old ones, Empire State and before, had a plumb line in the elevator shaft so that they knew they were building straight. It's a line with a weight that you hold really still against the wall. And gravity brings it down so that you have a true line to be able to say, This is completely vertical. And they also used something back then called a cornerstone. Because a plumb line will let you build straight up, but it won't let you tell you that you're you're not curving. And so you have a a cornerstone. And the cornerstone, this stone was laid first. The first stone that was laid, and it had to be absolutely perfect. Perfect. It had to perfectly go that way, and it had to perfectly go that way. Because if it didn't, the wall would veer off in the wrong direction, and you'd never be able to build it so that you could bring it back around. And Paul is saying, Those who walk by this rule, this perfect rule. How do we walk by a perfect rule? We are those who have failed in our flesh. We are those who have failed in our heritage, in our parents, Adam and Eve. And Paul is saying, no. Yes, you have failed, but there is one who has not. And in him, You have been made new. In Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You have been made perfect. You have been made righteous. And so, that house that I talked about at the beginning, it it was beyond hope, condemned, could not be renovated or restored by this old house or extreme home makeover. And so, what do you do with that? It's been torn down. 
and the ground has been lifted up, and the septic tank has been thrown away and has been plugged into the sewer, and a new foundation has been laid, one that is strong, that will stand, and the exterminators come in, and all the termites have been killed, and the house has been made strong so that it will stand and provide shelter. And in Jesus Christ, we have been made new. The old has passed away. The sinful nature that ruled us, it has been mortally wounded and is dying and will die a horrible, wonderful death. And now we who are in Christ live exalting our Savior as we will for all eternity because of what he has done. Like we sang in that song earlier today, because you came near, because we could not ourselves come near, you came near, and that is why we praise you. And Paul says, even calls us the new Israel of God, that the people of God are not one ethnicity or culture group or socioeconomic group or nation any longer. In fact, didn't he say, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham in Galatians 3 and also in verse, chapter 3. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Faith in Christ is what makes us Israel. What Jesus has done is what saves us and makes us new creation. And so we see at the conclusion of this letter that Paul ended the same way that he began. We only stand by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that awesome news? Isn't that wonderful news? It is the only good news that there is. And so I'll conclude by saying two verses from the song, our closing song today. My hope is built on nothing less. And you'll see why I chose it. It's built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. That means like sweetest frame of mind, emotions. I will not dare trust in my feelings, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And when we get to the fourth verse, so prepare yourself now. Let's belt this so that windows break. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. In him my righteousness alone. Oh, I'm sorry. I copied the wrong verse. So that, that part is correct. And... Well, you know what? You're going to see that verse. wish I had, me- had it memorized. And so you will see, and then I'll say something again at the end. But uh, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, sorry for making a comedic moment to the last point. But Lord, we know that it is not our moments or our lifelong string of moments of what we have done. 
by which we stand before you and are, accept- and are accepted and called righteous. But it is because of Jesus Christ and his perfect life and his gracious death for us on the cross by which we are called clean. That naked we come to the cross, but there we are clothed in his righteousness. And we thank you for this letter from your servant Paul, who faithfully said what our lives are really about, that they are lost if they are not found in the cross of our Savior. And so, Lord, let us now with our voices and let us with our lives exult that we have been crucified with Christ, laying down all our boasts of what we do and boasting only in tears and in thankfulness of the work of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.